0: Welcome in, welcome aboard another edition of a show to be named later. Seth Goldberg here with you. It is July 30th, 2018. We are rolling. Good to be back in the saddle after a couple days off. I was at the Hall of Fame yesterday, the Baseball Hall of Fame, over the weekend, and I love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I love it. I think it's awesome. But I think there are ways to make it better. So we will talk about that coming up. We'll be joined by Matt Michael to talk about the Hall of Fame, to talk about some ways to improve it, and also to talk about the Yankees and the moves that they made and how when we did our last Yankee on Deck show of the week on Tuesday, I said, well, they'll probably make a move or two when we're back. And the Yankees certainly have. We will talk about those moves with Matt, and then I'll throw in my two cents afterwards as well. It's show to be named later. Let's dive right in with the Baseball Hall of Fame. I love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I think there's something different about the Baseball Hall of Fame when compared to other Halls of Fame. It was the first one. There's that Sunday afternoon feel. It's, it's baseball, right? That is baseball. Sitting outside on a Sunday afternoon watching your stars and your idols and your favorite players of yesteryear it's baseball and it's in this perfect little town that loves baseball that loves the sport and that's all this town is you walk up and down the one main street baseball 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 inside the museum the baseball field the double day field there everything about that town and this little village is this sport. The Hall of Fame has built this feel of doing their game, their, their event on a Sunday afternoon just like any other baseball game that you would go to. There's something nice about it. There's something great about it. And you could talk about the speeches, and Chipper Jones went a little bit long, but I thought Chipper was great, and I thought Jim Tomei was really good, and I thought Trevor Hoffman was pretty good too. And you could talk about those speeches and the messages they send and how they've all become a little bit cookie-cutter, but hey, some of those stood out. Or you can do what I'm going to do. And that is, how can we make this better? How can we make the Baseball Hall of Fame better? How can we make the induction ceremony better? And there are ways to do it. And I think that we saw one of those ways unfolding yesterday. And it was something that I was thinking about all day as I was walking through Cooperstown. I talked about it with Matt Michael, and we will talk about it a bit later on in the show. How can you make the Baseball Hall of Fame better? How can you make this ceremony stand out a little bit more? Because let's face it, you're playing 14 games while this ceremony is going on. You're playing a full slate of games as this ceremony is going on. And that makes it really difficult for the Hall of Fame to stand out. That makes it really difficult for Chipper Jones, for Trevor Hoffman, for Jack Morris, for Jim Tomei, for Vlad, for Alan Trammell, whoever you want to say. It makes it really hard for them to stand out. And yesterday we saw this unfolding perfectly as Sean Newcomb took a no-hitter into the ninth inning had a no-hitter with two outs and two strikes in the ninth inning. And all I kept thinking about from that point forward, as I was checking my phone during the speeches to see if Sean Newcomb would finish this off, as I was checking my phone, seeing if Sean Newcomb was really being left in at 110, 120, 130 pitches, the thing I kept thinking of with this was what is the lead story should he finish this off on SportsCenter center tonight what is the lead story and that might be a short-sighted way of looking at this because i know that sports center is not the view of the sports world but it's pretty close right it's pretty close to that paper of record type thing for the sports world what would be the the lead story on sports center last night Would it have been the Hall of Fame? Would it have been Chipper Jones and Jim Tomei and Vladimir Guerrero? Trevor Hoffman, Alan Trammell, and Jack Morris? Would it have been that? Or would it have been the no-hitter that was thrown? And I'm not so sure. I really don't know. Because I think that that's a toss-up question. That's a really tough decision to make. Do you cover something that is a big deal, that is one of baseball's marquee events, or do you go with something that actually happened on the field? And that's the conundrum that I look at the Baseball Hall of Fame as. I love the ceremony. I love the town of Cooperstown. I love that it's a Sunday afternoon. Baseball, right? It's sun-soaked. It's in the summer. It is baseball. But at the same time, can't we do something to make it better? And here's what I suggest. Change the date. Move it to the All-Star break. Maybe the Thursday after the All-Star game. Two days removed from the All-Star game, you give everybody time to get up there. And you have it then. No games going on. You don't worry about that. Any managers who are involved, coaches, front office people who are involved with players going in, are allowed to get back and go to the Hall of Fame induction before heading back to their team to rejoin them for the second half. Or, if you're dead set on Sunday afternoon, understandable by the way, but if you're dead set on Sunday afternoon, why don't we move all the games tonight? games? Why don't we make that Sunday, make it an exception, and move every game to a night game? This is a big event. You have the All-Star Game, you have the Hall of Fame, you have the World Series. Those are your marquee events on the baseball calendar. Maybe the trade deadline. But those three are your marquee events on the baseball calendar. So why not hype it up as a marquee event? Let it stand alone. Let it stand on its own and shine. Because had yesterday been given that platform, it might have. You had an all-time great Hall of Fame class going in. You had one of the largest classes ever going into the Hall of Fame. You had two guys who waited forever to get in. They had been out of baseball for 22 and 25 years in Jack Morris and Alan Trammell. You had three guys who were just out. Right? in Jim Tomei and Vlad and Chipper Jones. Including, by the way, Chipper Jones, one of the greatest third basemen ever. One of the greatest switch hitters ever. And of course you have Trevor Hoffman. Who is dominant in his own right. And a great closer. So wouldn't it have made sense to put all the spotlight yesterday afternoon on those guys? Throw everything you have behind the Hall of Fame induction. And really put that on a pedestal. Make that a big deal on Sunday afternoon. Maybe start it a little bit earlier. Allow a 4.30 or a 5 o'clock game. And you get on your way. I mean, that seems to make the most sense. Move it or move the games. Let it shine on its own. I lean towards the first one, by the way. Move it. Move it to the All-Star break. Allow it to really stand on its own. And then, a suggestion if you do that. Well, a suggestion if you don't, but a suggestion if you do that too. Play one game in Cooperstown. Play a game in Cooperstown. Think about how cool that would be. Every year, there's a Hall of Fame game. And you play a game... In Cooperstown, the night of the induction ceremony. You go down to Doubleday Field, and I know it would need renovations. It's pretty small. You'd have to fix it up. You'd have to do some work to it. You'd have to add seats. You'd have to make it bigger and nicer. I get that. Maybe you find a place somewhere else nearby that that has more capabilities. But play a game there. Maybe if you schedule it right, you can even get two teams that might have a Hall of Famer. Or a team that might have a Hall of Famer. And you play this game. Baseball has done a great job. We've talked about this before. Baseball has done a great job recently of spreading the game around. Baseball has done this thing where they've started to move games to different places and different spots through the country. They play a game on a military base. At Fort Bragg. They're going to play games in Omaha. They play games in Williamsport. Why not play one in Cooperstown? Can you think of a more perfect place to go play a Major League Baseball game than Cooperstown, New York? Can you think of a more perfect place than this little village that is obsessed with baseball? This little place that gets just flooded with baseball fans every weekend during the summer, and especially so during the Hall of Fame weekend. I can't think of a better place to spread the game and play a game on a weird site, on a new site, in a new place. You play in Mexico City, you play in Puerto Rico, you play at a military base in Omaha, you play in Williamsport. You've moved to all these places. You've planned to move to all these places. You're taking Yankees, Red Sox to to London next summer. Why not play at the Hall of Fame? Make it a thing. Make it an event. Make it a big deal. It could be so much fun. It could be such a great event. And here's where moving the event, by the way, comes into play. This year after the All-Star break, there was one game, one game on Thursday night. Couldn't you, in theory, have the Hall of Fame induction on Thursday afternoon and have the Hall of Fame ceremony, the the Hall of Fame game, the one game that you're going to play to kick off baseball's nominal second half? Couldn't you have that one game in Cooperstown that night? You would have fans, you would have media, you would have people there, people who love baseball there. Why not do it? Why not do that? Doesn't that seem to make it a little bit more special? Right? Doesn't that seem to make it a little bit bigger of a deal? You have the event stand alone. You have it on a day where you have little to no games. And then, oh by the way, that one game you do have, that one game that you're going to put baseball on on the the pedestal, that you're going to put baseball in the showcase, that one game is going to be in Cooperstown, New York. That one game is going to be at the site of your Hall of Fame induction. This little village that is in love with baseball. Cannot get enough of it. And is flooded with baseball fans every summer. I can't think of a better place to play a game than Cooperstown, New York. And I think that Major League Baseball would be foolish not to at least consider this idea. Move a game there, make it a big deal. Move the event to another day so that it's not flooded with 15 games. Or at least move the games so that they're not going on at the same time. I love the Baseball Hall of Fame. I love baseball. But there are ways to make it better. Right? Just because I, like, I love something doesn't mean I think it's faultless and flawless. There are always ways to make this better. And I think that the Baseball Hall of Fame is one of those things that we could really be looking for ways to make it even better than it already is. All right, let's take a break here. Before we get to Matt Michael, continue this conversation and then get to some Yankee talks. Uh, I wanted to remind you, if you missed any of our shows, don't worry. You can get caught up with our best of podcasts on the block with Brent Axe, the Orange Nation podcast, when we return one week from today on August 6th, and the Daniel Baldwin Show on ESPNSyracuse.com. Or subscribe on iTunes and get them delivered straight to your phone every day. On iTunes, just search ESPN Syracuse. You know this already. You are listening to a podcast right now, so go check out all the other audio offerings and podcasts we have available for you at ESPNSyracuse.com and on iTunes at ESPN Syracuse. Now back to a show to be named later, and my Yankees on deck co-host, Matt Michael. All right, back here on a show to be named later, and I bring in my Yankees on deck co-host. It's been a while since we've uh, shared the airwaves together, so I figured we would uh, end the break a little early, Matt Michael on the other end of the line. And uh, Matt, we were in Cooperstown yesterday, we were talking about uh, the event and the day, and it's an awesome day, don't get me wrong. We were also talking about ways to, to fix it, maybe make it better, but uh, first off, what were your impressions of yesterday? What were your impressions of uh, the six guys who went in and gave speeches?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it was long because there were six guys. But other than that, I thought I thought everything went about according to plan. Um, you know, the, the speeches have gotten a lot safer in recent years, and I've been going now for a long time. And, uh, you know, guys, I think, are a little, uh, you know, less inclined to even go anywhere that may be deemed controversial. So, you know, and that's fine. That's their choice. You know, it was, it, they, the speeches then become mostly about you know, going their career, going through their career and thanking everyone, and, and that's good. Occasionally, there's a good line or a funny anecdote. But overall, to me, you know, I, it, it's the speeches are great. And if you're fans, you know, of those players or the teams, you know, that that makes it a little more special. But just in general, to me, it's just a celebration of baseball. Uh, the history, uh, the way these players kind of connect to each other. I uh, heard uh, Tim Kirchin talking uh, this morning on uh, ESPN about um, you know, Chipper Jones becoming a switch hitter because his father was a Mickey Mantle fan, and how that happens. You know, you don't really hear that in other sports, you know, the way you do in baseball. So, just a way to connect generations and, and just celebrate the game.
0: Yeah, I thought that story from Chipper Jones was awesome. And, and I love the story about Jim Tomei, where he, he goes into this long story about uh, essentially they met <laughs> because they got caught up in a brawl uh, in AAA. And, and it was awesome. Uh, go, go, I, I will suggest go checking that out on, on MLB.com or wherever you can find it because uh, Chipper just tells it uh, in a very entertaining and great way. Uh, but, man, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to kind of turn off of the Hall of Fame and, and something that you mentioned there. It's a celebration of baseball, and we talked about this yesterday, but I love the Hall of Fame. I love the induction. I love that it's in Cooperstown. I, I love Cooperstown. It feels like there's a, a way, though, to get it more... In the spotlight. There, there are things to do. Like, if you could change something about it, and I, I suggested, you know, maybe moving it to the All-Star break or, or doing something, is there something you would do to change the the, the, the induction and, and the way that baseball does it, given there were 15 games last night?
1: Yeah, you know, I think in general, when you look at uh, baseball and you talk about marketing baseball and the hubbub about, you know, Mike Trout and all that, well, you know, it's just un- unfortunately for baseball, they play every day, and one game... Is just not that big a deal, you know. It's uh, and and that that's a problem. Um, it's been a regional sport for a long time since since it was created. That's another problem. But uh, in general, when you have when you only have some few highlights throughout the season, you really want to put the spotlight on that. And so the Hall of Fame induction ceremony is one of them. In recent years, and I mean for a long time now, it's been coming around the trade deadline, which is another highlight. Kind <laughs> of you know a time when people are really paying attention to baseball, the all-star games another time. So I think I agree with the premise, and we, you know, we talked about this, that, that in general, like how do you make this induction ceremony stand out a little bit more? And that's where, the, that's, that's where it gets a little tough, I think, because you know, you're trying to, to, <laughs> to maintain the tradition of Cooperstown and doing it during the day and, and having all the other weekend activities that they plan around the ceremony during the day. You know, so the idea of moving that, you know, to a different day or the nighttime, you know, becomes a little more complicated. Not that much. You can, change, you know, you can change the schedule, and uh, but yeah, you know, it's kind of the way it's been done, right, for a long time. So, but but I think, you know, I don't have any. I think you know, I lo- I loved your idea. We were, <laughs> we were talking yesterday about the playing a game at Double Day Field. Yeah. Now it's a small, it's a smaller park. They have had major league exhibition games there. They have a major league teams there. Um the balls would fly out, but hey, what's uh you know, how's that different than any other uh, ballpark? Um, you know, you'd have to make some modifications, but I, I you know, I like that idea of you know having uh you know the the Sunday night game there, uh, somehow or tying that in. Um I you know, I think there are things they can do and it's certainly worth a discussion to try to make it a little more memorable. Because because of our conversation, I really was paying attention to the news and you know, occasionally the Hall of Fame would be the lead story. Of course, the whole Twitter storm now. Right. With Turner and Newcomb became the headline. Um, you know, now would they have still been the headline, even if there were no games yesterday and those tweets were made public? Probably. So maybe there isn't anything you could do anyway. But, you know, the fact is, uh, you know, how do you get that to the, you know, to the top of the, the list as best you can? Probably not by playing, you know, doing it on a Sunday afternoon when there are fifteen games
0: going on. Let's be honest, and, and we don't have to spend time on this. The Sean Newcomb tweets only came out because he was a strike away from the no hitter. Right? Like, that's right. the only reason right. why it was yesterday. Uh, <laughs> you right. know, he's gonna come right. out at any time. Uh but moving yeah. on and, no. and and Matt, I wanted to get to the Yankees because they had a really busy week. Um and I said, and maybe somewhat cryptically, not that I knew anything, but I said on Tuesday night when we were finishing up our show I said, you know, we're back on Monday, uh, on Tuesday, and I bet the Yankees make a trade by then. Uh, little did I know <laughs> little did I know that two hours later, Zach Britton would be a Yankee. <laughs> right. And then all the other
1: moves that have happened uh, since then as well. Well, yeah, most of the big—I guess you know, once Machado uh, was traded, then the dominoes started uh, tumbling down, and, and all the other moves were made, and the Yankees were a part of that with Britton and then half. Um, yeah, and they've made some other moves, too, which have been sort of under the radar, but uh, very interesting and already maybe uh, potentially rewarding as they were able to use some of the international money they received from the Cardinals to sign the top international pitching prospect, <laughs> a 16-year-old uh, Cuban pitcher. Now he's a long ways away, but uh, certainly that's money well spent for players that you're not going to be able to keep anyway, uh, most likely. So. So they're doing a lot, and I still would not be surprised if they, uh, they make one more um, if something falls in their lap here before uh, tomorrow.
0: Yeah, Matt, you hit on the big thing in there uh, that, that I take away from these trades. Using players that you're not going to use, uh, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, it, it, it might sound terrible, but the three minor league pitchers they traded for Britain had no future, right, with, with the Yankees. They were probably not going to be on the Yankees come February. Um, you know, mm-hmm. Brendan Drury had no starting spot. Billy McKinney had no spot in the Yankee outfield. Um, Jason Shreve—did he really have a future? Giovanni Gallegos—did I mean you can find those guys? You know, they, they're yeah. they're using guys that they they don't really need, and they're getting like legitimate assets.
1: Yeah, the, the you know the fact is uh, for people who don't know, the forty man roster is you only have forty guys to put on it in the offseason. If you're not on it, then you're eligible for a draft, and the Yankees would lose or could lose a lot of these guys that they're, that they're trading. So for the Yanks, it's a matter of making the right decisions, who to keep and <laughs> who to let go. So they had to let go of somebody. And uh, clearly, you know, they've identified those guys. They're trading them uh, now. And, you know, that's, that's the way to do it. Um, it's the way to use that surplus to, to your best advantage. And, yeah, you know, they have, not, they have not really, you know, they've certainly not hurt their major league roster at all. Um, adding, you know, key pieces. And then, again, I do like, you know, this idea. So for the international bonus money, if people don't know, you only get so much each year, but you can acquire it in trade. Uh, you can trade it, uh, as teams have. And the Yankees um, were okay. They had actually put it, they had enough money to sign Otani, but they spent a good chunk of that and needed some more to sign some more guys that they've identified, and that's what they did with the trade with the Cardinals and the trade with the White Sox.
0: Yeah, I remember last year sitting around at the trade deadline and, and looking at the international money that was changing hands, not just to the Yankees. The Yankees were making plenty of moves trying to get money, but a lot of teams were looking to get that international money for Otani. Um, and, yeah. and, and it was one of those things that, like, I didn't really know that you could trade specifically allocated dollars, and then you started to hear about it because everybody in baseball was doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, the, the beauty of it from a team standpoint is uh, – Like this, uh, I I think it's O C L is how you pronounce it. O S I E L Rodriguez, the uh, the pitcher of the Yankees, signed out of Cuba. Um, He's only 16, but if he you know if he was eligible for the draft, um, you know, likely a first rounder, worse, a second rounder. Right. um, Where are you going to get that for six hundred thousand dollars? You know, you're not. Um, So you know, so in terms of you know, getting the biggest bang for your buck, the international money is still a way to go until those guys are eligible for the draft. But, you know, that's probably coming. But until then, you know, the, the smart move by, you know, by the Yankees or any team that, that's doing it. Um, and, and I guess they're in on another top player, too, if there's a shortstop. So, uh, so we may not see any results here for a long time, but uh, not only are they creating space on their 40-man, they're also... Uh, adding some talent at a level that does not have to be protected on the forty-man roster for uh, a good long time.
0: Yeah, they they really are. And and Matt, I'll I'll finish up with with the guys they've gotten and, and the impact that they can have. Britain and Hap. Um, you know, I'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more. But it looks like Britain is going to be a guy that just fortifies an already ridiculously strong bullpen. And and Hap, you know, we we saw yesterday he's he's at least a steadying hand, right? You know what you're going to get out of him when he goes out there.
1: Yeah, I think if you would have looked say three weeks ago, I and mean, we were ta- we've been talking about this for a while, but it realistically, yes, you'd love Jacob Degrom would have been great if Manny had fallen in their laps for a, you know a, a good deal. Uh, Chris Archer would be great and maybe still will be, <laughs> but uh, you know the odds of some of these teams trading with the Yankees are just less likely. Uh, so all things considered, I think they did about. I, I don't think they could have done better. Um, you know, adding the pieces making you know making the team stronger in the two areas really need it. But, but to make that stronger helps a rotation that was only – it's only going to be helped so much by half, but it will, it will definitely help. So so all the way around, you know, they've, they've moved. They've created some of this roster flexibility. And best of all, they still have Frazier and Sheffield and Floreal and Albert Abreu and Acevedo and, and you know, a lot of their – you know, still a lot of young prospects who will – be protected on the roster or most of them in the offseason
0: yeah they've already got they've still got their best guys uh frazier if if he comes back will probably be the right fielder until judge comes back they they did a good job of protecting what they got and uh and upgrading their team
1: and you know it it gives you those pieces in the offseason so if if a bum gardener or somebody else becomes available in the offseason then you know they still have some big prospects they could trade
0: Matt, thanks so much, as always, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon on Yankees on Deck, and we'll keep it rolling.
1: Great. Thanks, Steph. Have a good one.
0: All right, back here on a show to be named later. Thanks again to Matt Michael for hopping on with me for a couple of minutes, my Yankees on Deck co-host. We'd gone so long without a show that I, I just wanted to get back in the saddle. I, w- I wanted to talk to him again and, and get some thoughts uh, on the Hall of Fame, on Jay Happ, on Zach Britton, on, on what the Yankees have done here, uh, because I think it's really interesting, and, and it's something to you know spend some time on. Uh, more so than than what we do even on on Yankees on deck. I wanted to just give a couple minutes here on what the Yankees have done, on some thoughts. Um, I really like what the Yankees have done. I really do. I, I like the trades that the Yankees have made. I like the trades Brian Cashman has made. And, you know, I, I said this with Matt, but you look at the pieces that the, they have given up, the pieces that Brian Cashman has parted with, uh, three minor league pitchers for Zach Britton, who probably, let's be honest, probably weren't going to ever be Yankees. Three minor league pitchers who may not have been in the Yankee system come next season uh, because of Rule 5 drafts and 40-man roster crunch and and things like that. And then in the the other trade, you give up Brendan Drury, again, a guy who just doesn't, simply put, just doesn't have a role on the Yankees right now. And, and uh... Billy McKinney, who's very much in the same spot. Like, he just doesn't have a spot on this Yankees team. And it's not his fault. It's not Drury's fault. It's not these minor league pitchers' fault that they don't have places in this organization and with this this team. But Brian Cashman has to go out and use them and, and use their value because they're good players. Like, Brandon Drury should be playing somewhere third base every day. They, he should. He should be playing third base every day for someone somewhere. And he's just not because Andujar came up and, and played well enough and, you know, it it took his job away. You know, Billy McKinney might be a major league outfielder already, but he's not because Aaron Judge and Aaron Hicks and, and Giancarlo Stanton and Brett Gardner. There's just too much ahead of him. So look at the pieces that they gave up and then evaluate the trades. Zach Britton, I think, adds something really big to the Yankee bullpen. I think that it makes it just all that more dominant. I think that it really, you know, can change games come October. Not that you're going to bullpen, not that you're going to go the way of the Rays and, and not use a starter and just use these guys for nine innings. But, like, you only need four innings. Three innings, four innings out of these guys, right? Then you can go to Chad Green and Robertson and Britton and Betancis and Chapman and 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 just shut it down. Holder. Canley might be back up by the postseason. If you do all that, I mean, there's no reason to have your starters go more than five innings, six innings. You've got such weapons out there in the bullpen that you want to use. And I look at the Hap trade, and I think that it's just a steady hand. Watch, Look at what he did on Sunday. Watch what he does this weekend when they go face the Red Sox. I mean, he's just simply put a steady hand. He's just, you know what he is. You know what you're getting. Right? He threw six innings, allowed one run. Didn't strike out very many, but didn't walk people, didn't give up hits. He gave up a home run in the last inning that he pitched on Sunday. All right, you take that. You run. You love that outing. It's better than what the Yankees have been getting from the back of their rotation right now. You take that, and you absolutely run with it. So I love what Brian Cashman has done. I love the trades he's made. I think these two guys really help out the Yankees. I couldn't tell you if either of them are going to be on the team next year. I doubt either of them are going to be on the team next year. But I think it really helps to have these two as rentals and think about it, really think about it. The Yankees didn't give up all that much. They really didn't give up all that much to get them. All right, that's going to do it for us today on a show to be named later. I'm sure Matt and I will be talking about this far more on Yankees on Deck as the the week goes along here. Yankees and Red Sox Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What a week that it's going to be. Trade deadline on Tuesday, so I'm sure uh, we'll see a couple more moves in baseball before then. Maybe Yankees have another another move left in them. I, I really wouldn't be all that surprised if they do, so we'll have to keep an eye on that but uh we are done for today thanks to matt michael for coming on thanks to you for listening uh don't forget subscribe on itunes and the google play store and uh you get these delivered straight to your phone each and every day just search espn syracuse and uh you can get them delivered espn syracuse.com check the audio vault as well as the podcast page all the interviews that we do nice and neatly cut up and separated for you there and our podcast page on the block with brent axe the daniel baldwin show orange nation when we come back in about a week uh in the booth with matt park when he's back in a a little while so check it out and you can get everybody's podcasts and shows right there on espn syracuse.com and the espn syracuse podcast feed. all right that does it we'll talk to you again tomorrow